0: Good morning and welcome. My name is Craig and I'm the senior pastor here and that's kind of how my morning has gone. If you're a guest with us we are so thankful. Uh, Let me just uh, say to you um, our praise team thank you guys so much but some of you that might be a guest don't appreciate the fact that our worship pastor is away. They're on vacation so uh, these guys uh, one of the great things about our church that I love so much is that um, you, somebody is not here and somebody else just picks up the baton and runs with it and I really appreciate that. Uh, Michael, thanks for helping me a part of leading that today. I know it's not just you so I won't give you all the praise but thank you for the prayers and all the other things but uh, uh, so many great things that are happening here. Uh, again, if you're a guest with us this week because of VBS, thank you for being with us. Our VBS was a great success. Each night we had about 200 kids who were here um, and we actually had about 130 volunteers each night as well um buster was up here and prayed just a minute ago he he leads up all of our our uh, all of our, our our food service and so like our our food folks um probably don't get the praise they deserve but they feed Just about 300 people in about 35 minutes, so uh, 40 minutes. They're doing a wonderful job, but we had about 130 volunteers. Somewhere around, I was trying to figure it out this morning, 40 or 50 of those, probably about 40 a night. were 18 or under, which is really awesome, and they served very well. Um, we had, uh, people, we got people that reorient their schedule to be here. We got people that delay a vacations to be here. I had somebody that looked at me and said, sorry, um, not eating much. I just had my wisdom teeth out. I was like, oh, are you sure you need to be here? She said, yes, this is where I want to be. So these are the kind of things, uh, that are happening, uh, in your church and uh, the things that we celebrate all because we have a desire to see children and, uh, men and women come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and savior. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and for all of you that volunteered uh, this week, listen, we'll give you a pass if you fall asleep during my sermon this morning because we completely understand that y'all are exhausted. But you guys really worked so hard and uh, were the epitome of God's Word as he says, as Paul urges us to do all things as unto the Lord. I saw, I saw you carrying screaming children, um, uh, changing dirty diapers, and um, uh, some of you got uh, bit, which was awesome. Good job. Um, You took it like a champ. I appreciate that. Uh, But I also saw the really awesome things. Uh, I saw you teaching kids to sing. I saw you working on crafts. I saw you counseling children um, who are making commitments for Christ. So there were a lot of wonderful things that took place. Please do me a favor. If you can find Rhonda Adams or April Garbade today, thank them. Uh, We had so many people that volunteered, but they're the ones that put everything together and make sure everything goes off without a hitch. They worked really hard along with Automati, our, our ministry assistant who works tirelessly to make sure, and lots of volunteers. So you guys, uh, if you see them, please take opportunities to thank them. All right, having said that, um, I do want to take just a moment this morning and have a prayer for mission because that was sort of the big mission enterprise that took place right here this week. Um, but there are a few other things that uh, maybe sometimes get lost in the shuffle. Uh, First, Jason McCaskill just came back. He spent a week in Latvia with our uh, missionary friends Luke and Patty Talbert and their girls, and Christopher, um, working in a VBS with them. And he went on a fact-finding trip to figure out how we can take a larger group next year to try and support that VBS. They had about 35 kids uh, there during that uh, VBS, and so a really wonderful opportunity. So we want to pray for them and the follow-up they're going to have. We also have a small group of guys that are in Scotland right now, Brian Garbade, Tom Austin, Tom Mullican, and Lanny Gunter are away trying to do some ministry there they're kind of our uh, Jason along with those four guys are sort of us sticking our toe back into the water of international missions on the backside of this pandemic thing and trying to figure out travel Uh, but then next Sunday morning we have a group that's leaving to go to Tennessee Uh, Mike Barwick is has been working to lead that and head that up. Uh, For those that are here, I'm going to read their names this morning. I'm going to ask them to stand, sorry. um, And then we're going to pray over these folks who are going to be leaving next week, head to Cleveland, Tennessee, to do ministry there. So Buster and Charlotte Morris, uh, Mary Eddings, Noah Miller, Beth and Alyssa Falkenberry, David Hance, Sean Payne, Glenn Harp, Zach Dozier, uh, Mike, Dora Jane, and Teresa Barwick, if y'all would stand. And if y'all are seated near them, if you do me the favor and just reach out and touch a hand to, uh, on those folks. And we're going to have a prayer and just pray the Lord would go uh, with them and be with our folks that are in Scotland this morning. Join with me as we pray. Father God in heaven, we are so thankful that you allow us to participate in your mission. That Father God, the Great Commission compels us forward. And thank you for these who are going, Lord. We pray for the group that is in Scotland today, Lord God, and I pray that you would bless them as they seek out opportunities to share the good news and strengthen churches there. We also pray for this group that will be leaving next Sunday morning for Cleveland, Tennessee. We've got to pray that you would give them uh, grace and mercy, give them uh, safety as they travel, Lord God, that you'd open doors for ministry as they arrive, that, Father God, they would work tirelessly. Lord, we know that these things can be exhausting, Father. I pray that you would give them energy, and uh, Father, that you would be with them, that your Holy Spirit would go ahead and prepare the way of mission, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would do more, uh, or excuse me, open more doors for us missionally, Lord. We know that a lot of mission took place right in our backyard this week, and we pray for those who uh, heard the gospel this week, that they would be impacted, and that follow-up would take place, and these kids would grow in Christ. Help us to always be the kind of people, Lord, who are serious about your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. All right. That was a whole lot of announcements just to get us to, to the scripture this morning. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 7. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Acts, chapter 7, and we're going to read the, the last few verses of Acts, chapter 7, and the first verse of Acts, chapter 8. If you don't know where the book of Acts is, it's in the New Testament. It's after the four Gospels, so you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 7. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me in honor of God's Word, and I'm going to read to you from verses 54 all the way through the verse part of chapter 8, verse 1. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he... Let me back up, let me explain what's happened. So Stephen is the guy that we're reading about right here, has just proclaimed basically the gospel of Jesus. And as he's done through a lot of verses in chapter 7, the people that he's speaking to have become incredibly angry. Um, and so this, it's, it's, it's after this that we pick it up. Now they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you give us grace under fire. Grace in hard times. That, Father God, we would commit our lives to you and be changed and challenged. Be with us in Christ's name. Amen. We have been... We we at Malvern Hill have been in the book of Acts now for many uh, months. We've been in the book of Acts for just about all of 2022. Uh, We began in Acts chapter 1. We've been working our way through. We're going to be in Acts for a couple more weeks. We're going to take a breather in the month of July, and we're going to do a few different things in July. And then we'll pick back up with Acts in the month of August. But where we find ourselves here in Acts is uh, Stephen is the first martyr in the church. That means he's the first person that's killed for his faith. Um, now, what we, we want to say from the get-go is that if Stephen had just shut his mouth, Stephen wouldn't have died. And, and that's an interesting thing for us to consider. Uh, some have said that this is a passage of Scripture about knowing when to hush. Um, but, it's uh, supposed to be funny. Um, some of y'all get it later. But Stephen knew that if he had shut his mouth, he could have probably walked away from this unscathed. The problem was Stephen couldn't hush because he knew that what he was saying needed to be said. Stephen was compelled to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with folks who desperately needed to hear it. And as a result of that, the Bible teaches us that Stephen was stoned to death. This morning, though, we're going to focus on those last few moments of Stephen's life. And here I want to ask you the question, what do you see in these passages of Scripture? What did Stephen see? And ultimately, what is it that we should be looking for in the hard times of our life? This morning, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to look at your trials. Look at your trials. In his book, Good to Great, leadership expert Jim Collins encouraged businesses to be honest about their situation by facing the brutal facts. That's his word. Face the brutal facts. Now, along with this, he encouraged businesses to adopt something that he called the Stockdale Paradox. And the Stockdale Paradox is named after Admiral Jim Stockdale. Stockdale was the highest serving military officer in Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam. He, he, he was in there for eight years. And over a period of eight years, he was tortured at least 20 times. Stockdale's gone on to be a, a professor and a and a leader. But Jim Collins interviewed Admiral Stockdale, and he said, what was it that kept you sane in those moments? How did you survive? You, you had no rights. You had no release date. You didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold. He said, I was confident that it was going to all work out okay. I, I was confident that one day I was going to come through this, and on the backside of this, this event was going to be a transformational experience in my life. I was confident I would get home to my family. So well, General Stott, Admiral started, who didn't make it out alive? And this was interesting. You know who he said didn't make it out alive? He said it was the optimists. That's kind of odd. So well, you just said that you had a good attitude about the whole thing. How would you then say that the optimists didn't make it out? He said, well, I, I tried to be realistic about my situation. I was hopeful and confident that at some point we would get through this. But I recognized that I was living in a really bad place without a whole lot of plans. He said the people that finally just died in the Hanoi Hilton were those people who were so optimistic about what was going to happen. So they'd say, well, surely by Christmas we're going to be released. Surely by Easter we'll be, we'll be released. Surely by July the 4th we'll get He said eventually they just died of a broken heart because they were unwilling to face the reality of the situation they found themselves in. Believers... I want you to know it does us no good to live in a Pollyanna kind of world and mindset. We need to be really honest about the trials, the struggles that we find ourselves in. When we pick up this story of Stephen here in the very end, we find that Stephen is facing his persecutors head on. He's looking them literally in the face. Do you know that as Stephen... Preach to these people. He was not, I said this in our life group this morning, he wasn't some kind of keyboard warrior hiding behind a screen and typing out his responses on Facebook somewhere. He wasn't attacking people on Twitter. Stephen was on trial, facing his persecutors, and right there in in, in front of them, he was saying everything that they didn't want to hear. Stephen had spoken against the temple, and they were angry because they said he was guilty of blasphemy. Well, when that happened, Stephen doubled down. He said, You think I'm guilty of blasphemy? He said, What you don't understand is that what you believe is wrong. You've missed the boat. The Messiah that you said you wanted to see has arrived, and his name is Jesus. Has it ever occurred to you that perhaps Jesus, or excuse me, Stephen saw Jesus so clearly on that day because he was so aware of the threat that he faced? Has ever occurred to you that the reason that Stephen was able to see Jesus because Stephen knew exactly what it was that he was facing? Folks, if we lie to ourselves about our situation, we often refuse to turn to Jesus. How many of you have ever just tried to pretend like something wasn't real or it wasn't as bad as you thought it was, and as long as you could live in that lie, you didn't have to ask anybody for help? You ever been there? Well, maybe it's not what they say it is. I'm not going to. How many of you have ever been afraid to go to the doctor because you were afraid of what the doctor was going to tell you? As if somehow by not knowing it, then you didn't actually, it wasn't real. What happens when we do that? When we refuse to go to the doctor because we're afraid of what we might find out, the only thing we do is rob ourselves of the opportunity to perhaps be healed of what we've got going on. Isn't that right? Watch this. Sometimes you don't know all that you have in Jesus until Jesus is all that you have. Sometimes you don't know all that you have in Jesus until Jesus is all that you have. We need to be honest about our trials and honest about our struggles. Now I'm not necessarily just talking about to other people though. I'll be honest with you that helps. We need to be willing. This is a part of what it means to be part of a church family and community. That we have those people that can come alongside us. Those people that we can share our burdens with. That can walk with us and help to carry it. But this morning I'm not talking primarily about that. I'm talking primarily about us being honest about our struggles with the Lord. Being honest with Jesus. Folks, do y'all know that he's big enough to hear all of your struggles, all of your trials, all of your worries When I was a teenager, I went through a period of time in my life when I was really angry with the Lord. Some things had gone on. I was very upset. And I finally shared that with my pastor. I'll never forget his words. They were so powerful for me at that time. He said, have you talked to the Lord about it? I said, I can't tell him that. He looked at me and he said, he's big enough to handle your anger. Wow. He's big enough to handle even your anger. Sometimes we don't behold Jesus as he is because we're hiding. We don't see who Jesus is because we're running. We haven't known all that Jesus is because he's not all that we have. See, there's a God who desires to help you, he's closer than a brother. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And watch, he wants to carry your burdens for you. But you've got to give them to him. You have to allow him to carry those burdens. Stephen looked at his trials. He saw these people. Just because he saw them didn't mean they went away. Do you realize that? Stephen looked them in the eye. They still stoned him to death. Folks, sometimes we're going to face our trials, and our trials are not going to go away. Sometimes we're going to face our struggles, and our struggles are still going to be there. The difference is that once we've been willing to be honest about what it is, we may just have the opportunity to behold Jesus in all of his glory and grandeur and to recognize that right in the middle of our storm, he's right beside us. It's one of the greatest... Most wonderful things, the story of Jesus coming to the disciples on the sea and walking across the water. It was in the middle of a storm. When things were getting bad, Jesus came to them in the middle of their storm. Do you remember the story about Jesus' sleep on the boat? Again, another storm. They go and they wake him up. Isn't it great? Why can Jesus sleep in the middle of a storm? Because he knows that everything is just okay. Okay. Everything's fine. What is it that robs you of sleep a lot of times in your life? It's because you're worried about everything else. Jesus wasn't even worried in the middle of the storm. But when the disciples woke him up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, but he was with them in the storm. Folks, he was with them, and the one time when he wasn't, he came to them in the storm. Do you know that Jesus is with you even in your hard times. Jesus' friends ran out on him when life got hard, but when Stephen found himself facing death, Jesus came to him. He's closer than a brother. Face your trials head on. In the middle of those, you might just find Jesus. The second thing this morning I want you to do is to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look at your trials, but look to Jesus. You know, we really don't like to ask for help. Most of us, some of you might, maybe you're better than me. This morning, while getting ready for church, I started having back spasms, like really bad back spasms. This is why it was really funny that I fought, fell coming up the, the stage this morning because my back is hurting really bad this morning and um, uh, so bad that, uh, that, that I actually um, woke Angela up groaning in pain. Um, it was not good. I've been in pain all morning. But as I was trying to get down the steps this morning, Angela said, do you want me to help you down the steps? You know what I said? I said, absolutely not. I will fall down them before we have to do that. We don't like help, okay? And y'all aren't any better than me, so don't judge me. We're like a three-year-old. I want to do it all by myself. Stephen was dying. And in that moment, his gaze was directed toward Jesus. Are you looking to Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus? The book of Hebrews was written after the book of Acts, okay? But it was written to a group of Christians who were facing persecution. Uh, They were being tormented because of their faith. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews encourages us with these words. I'm going to read them to you. This is chapter 12 verse 1. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Folks, often we forget that the primary purpose of our Christian faith Folks, the primary purpose of our Christian faith is not to give us comfortable lives. The primary purpose of our Christian faith is not to make us better citizens of our country. The primary purpose of our Christian faith is not that we can gather in an air-conditioned sanctuary for worship on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. The primary purpose of our Christian faith is Jesus. Jesus didn't die to make us successful or to give us easy lives. Jesus died to give us eternity with Him. Jesus is the main idea and the primary of objective of the christian faith and so in these moments when stephen is facing death he looks up and what does he see he sees jesus You don't believe it, right there in verse 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. In case you weren't aware, this was the final straw in Stephen's trial. When he said, I see the Son of Man, everybody, every Jew in that place understood full well what Stephen was saying. He was referring all the way back to the book of daniel we're in the book of daniel the messiah is spoken of as the son of man and stephen is saying hey guys while y'all are here screaming at me and, and and grinding your teeth at me guess what's happened i see him right now i see the son of man and you're missing him But the Bible says the heavens opened up and he saw Jesus. What did he not see? We don't see anything about streets of gold. We don't see anything about pearly gates. We don't see anything about angels. He saw Jesus. Because Jesus is the primary objective in our Christian faith. All of the other things are tertiary. All of the other things are just icing on the cake. And it's not like the really amazing icing that makes a really bad cake taste good. This is an amazing cake that is Jesus with just a little bit of sprinkle on the top. Jesus is all of it. Stephen gazed toward heaven, and he didn't speak of riches or paradise. Stephen saw Jesus, and that was enough. Folks, can I tell you? That one day as a follower of Christ, you will behold him and he will be enough. Have you ever found yourself in a crowd looking for somebody? I'm, at least for another couple of months, I'm the tallest member of my family. I've got this son that's probably going to pass me soon. Um, But, uh, uh, so when we're missing someone in a crowd, um, for obvious reasons, we don't ask Angela to find the person that we're missing um, right? It's, it's the responsibility of everyone else to look for the person. And if you've ever been looking for somebody in a crowd and then you spot them, it's, it's like one of the coolest things ever. It's like, oh, there, there they are. I've been looking. Maybe you, you've been at the airport and you've been waiting for somebody to arrive and they finally get there and you're like, there they are. You're so excited. I've missed you. I'm so happy to see you. Imagine Stephen, all of his enemies, And he looks up. He looks across the crowd and and he sees what? He sees them gritting their teeth, grinding their teeth. They're literally stopping their ears and they're rushing at him. And he looks up. And I'm not alone. There's Jesus. Closer than a brother. My best friend. He's not run away from me. He ran toward me when life got bad. You know, when the old saying, when the world runs out, your closest friends run in. Imagine that Jesus who runs in every single time. Look to Jesus this morning. What do you see? Look at your trials. Look to Jesus. Then finally, this morning, look toward forgiveness. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot of Stephen's thoughts. It does tell us what he, that he, as he was dying, he prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. What, what brings about that sort of prayer? What brings about that sort of personality? P- people who understand the grace of God in their own lives are often not eager to judge others and are often eager to see others experience forgiveness. It's incredible, people who understand just how much For which they've been forgiven are eager to see others experience the same kind of forgiveness. People understand the grace of God in their own lives are those most eager to see God's grace in the lives of others. So I encourage you this morning, pay your forgiveness forward. Pay your forgiveness forward. That's kind of a a modern saying that we pay something forward. And and the idea being there that that when somebody does something good to me, I want to do something good to somebody else. Folks, are you paying your forgiveness for it? Are you willing to extend forgiveness to others? How horrible would it be if we who've been forgiven for so much, we who've been given opportunities to inherit eternal life, would be unwilling to forgive those who slight us, those who cut us off in traffic, those who cheat us out of something. We've been called to be God's ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors in the world around us to be forgiving people. Pay that forgiveness forward. Stephen is willing and ready already to forgive these people. He says, God, don't hold this sin against them. This is a guy who says, I've been forgiven as someone who has been forgiven. I am forgiving even these people as they do this to me. So pay that forgiveness forward. But the second thing this morning, I want to encourage you to pray your forgiveness forward. You see, Stephen didn't just say they ought to be forgiven. He prayed Lord, don't hold this sin against them. He prayed his forgiveness for them forward. He was praying for others to be forgiven. And watch, in the face of his murderous persecutors, he was praying for these people to be saved. You know what's pretty incredible? We have evidence that at least part of his prayer was answered. Because the Bible teaches us First in verse 58, that they laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And then verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul approved of his execution. Stephen was praying for Saul. In just one more chapter, you're going to discover that this Saul is going to be the very Paul who is converted on the road to Damascus. That this man who Stephen prayed for experienced the grace of God and a miraculous transformational conversion on the Damascus road. This Saul who was not looking for God was confronted by him on a road. Listen, some of you here today haven't been looking for God your whole life. You weren't even looking for him today. You're just here because you wanted to bring your kid and they wouldn't hush about it. Can I tell you that even if your kid aggravated you to get you here, God may be bringing you here today to transform your life. We have this prayer. He prayed for Saul. Saul was saved. He prayed for a murderer. God saved a murderer. Folks, when you see just how much you've been forgiven, you begin to believe that God is capable of just about anything. Do you want to know why some of you have stopped praying for that brother or that sister? For that cousin or that child who is so wayward and so lost. you stopped praying because you forgot how much God had to do in your life. You stopped praying because you never appreciated the fact that God had to save you from so much to put you where you are. You stopped praying because you forgot That God worked a miracle when he pulled you up out of the miry pit and set your feet on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. You forgot that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave. And if he can save Paul, he can save you. These are the things that Stephen saw. What did Stephen see? Stephen saw his trials and his persecutors. Stephen saw Jesus. Stephen saw forgiveness. These are the things that we've got to see. But there's one thing that we've missed this morning. In conclusion, I want you to see what God saw. What did God see? God saw everything that Stephen saw. He saw Stephen surrounded by his persecutors and on trial for his faith. He saw Stephen, a man of unwavering faith. He saw the forgiveness that he had given. He saw the Jesus that had died. He saw the trials. But but Stephen didn't see what only God could know. You see, God also saw Saul. Now I know that in my redneck accent, that doesn't come out real clear. God noticed Saul. He saw him, S-A-W. He perceived of him. You see, the Bible does not waste words. And yet in these seven verses, we have Saul's name listed twice. Because God noticed this man who was giving his blessing to the stoning of his servant. God noticed Saul. Saul was standing by proving this act of murderous violence. Saul was an enemy of God and his church. And a reminder, Saul and Paul are the same person. We get the S swapped for the P later on. Probably because he needed to shift his name around a little bit because everybody was terrified of him. Either that or just because of the Gentile experience. But not, not, not only did God see him approving of this murderous violence. Not only did God see Saul as an enemy of his church. God saw more. God saw Saul's sin. But he also saw his future. God noticed this man who was committing these heinous crimes, but he knew this man was going to be transformed. He saw his sin, but he could see his ministry in the future. He knew where he had been, but God knew where he was fixing to take him. Folks, some of you are here this morning just because your kid drugged you here. I get it. Right? Some of you are here just because it's out of obligation and you're exhausted, but you showed up on Sunday morning because this is where you're supposed to be. Can I tell you this? God sees you right where you are. God sees you. He sees your situation. He knows what you did last night or last week. He knows what you're planning to do next week. He sees you. Just like he could see Saul right in the moment. He sees you. He sees you. He cares enough about you to see you today. But he doesn't just see you. He knows your future. You see, he sees what you can't see. He knows what tomorrow holds because he holds tomorrow. And he knows what can happen in your life. Because God knows what He can do in and through you. God knows what He can do in and through you. This morning, I want you to know that God can change your life. That God can transform your life. He sees you today. He saw you yesterday. He'll see you next week. But God sees what you can't see just yet. He sees hope. He sees a future. And He sees the plan that He has laid out for you. So this morning, since you're here, I don't think it's by accident. Regardless of why you're here or why you think you're here, God has you here on purpose. I believe that God had Saul in that place to experience Stephen's prayer, to begin the process of changing a life. Some of you need to be reminded that you don't need to stop praying. If Stephen could pray for Saul as he was dying, and if Saul could be saved as a result of that prayer, then folks, there's nobody in your life that is too far away from God's grace. Some of you need to be reminded that that wayward son, that distant sister, there's still hope because Jesus saves to the uttermost. If he can save Saul, he can save anybody. So some of you need to be reminded about that. But here's what some of you need this morning. Some of you need to know that God can save you. Some of you need to know that God loves you. That he desires to set you free. He desires to give you a hope and a future. You see, he saw what he was going to do in the life of Saul. And he sees what he might just do in your life if you would only come to him today. The Bible is very clear and plain. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. This morning I'm preaching to you about a Jesus who died on a cross, was buried and rose again three days later so that we might be forgiven for our sins. And you've not done anything so bad and so wrong that God will not forgive you and save you. This morning, He sees you. Would you come this morning as we stand in a moment and sing and meet this Jesus who brought you here today? He brought you here to meet you. Would you take the next step and meet Him this morning? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you'd be at work in us and among us and through us. God, help us to look in the hard places of our life and to look to you, Lord God, to look toward the forgiveness of others for those of us who are followers of Jesus. But Lord God, I also pray today that we would all this morning see what you see. Sheep without a shepherd, sinners in need of a Savior. Hope to the hopeless, rest to the weary. Help us to see that you're enough. You are enough. Well, God, I pray for those who do not know you this morning. Yet as we stand and sing, that you would give them the courage to step out, Lord God, and to be introduced to Jesus in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing. Let me be very clear. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, as we sing, I would love to have you come forward, and I would love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you say, I, I, I'm, I'm a believer, but I've not lived for the Lord in a long time. We would love to welcome you today to recommit your life to Christ. Perhaps you'd just like to come and pray. Maybe you've been reminded today that that friend is not too far gone, and today you'd like to come and pray for that family member, that friend that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Lord moves and as we sing, would you respond? Thank you.